Podcast 6, Rahab the Prostitute. Hi and welcome back to Accord Presents Who Are You? which is our study looking at the life and significance of characters from the Bible. Um, I'm purposely not going to open this Bible study with this week is my favourite <laughs> but this one is definitely chunky, very detailed, lots to talk about in this one. Um, bearing in mind Noah's wife, remember last yeah. week, was um, we, we had hardly anything to say in yeah. the sense of facts did we? No, we but this one is meaty so i hope you brought snacks yes (laughs) and this week we are going to look at rahab okay and um, i know we keep saying this but it's just something that's important to consider is that we really do skim the bible Mm. and that's something that keeps speaking to me every time i get into these studies is that there are so many people that I have not pieced together mm. in other stories yeah. or I'm not really digging into the significance because I'm just reading them as people not about chosen people mm. who are there for purpose yeah. and so I just would really encourage you that as we go through these studies to really be able to approach your own personal bible studies with that concept in mind mm. because it can really change um everything Mm. and it can be the difference between us skimming the surface or digging deep so just really want to put that in at the beginning because rahab really did that for me this week um really thought i knew rahab and her story but there was so much more Mm. and so yeah really excited about that okay well let's get going because there's a lot to get through um but basically we're back in the old testament we're in the book of joshua this week and um so here we have rahab and she is a very very unsavory type of person okay she is living the high life the immoral life the life of debauchery um she's living in a very pagan culture and this culture is actually on the brink of complete judgment by god because she is partaking and living everything that god hates Mm -hmm. so here we have yet again uh, a similarity don't we so even though we've only said one fact about her we're getting a vibe aren't we we're getting a feel Mm -hmm. we've been here before Mm -hmm. haven't we in our studies we're getting somebody who's living in a time a godless time in a Mm -hmm. godless place and that is a huge significance to Mm -hmm. this story so again this place jericho where she was living was not necessarily a place that had good and bad it was completely saturated Mm -hmm. in a gentile community yeah okay so she was not only living in it she was certainly wasn't righteous she was part uh, of the problem of the paganistic Mm -hmm. life okay so she really was very very unsavory she was a prostitute Mm -hmm. a harlot a whore some translations call her and again we have the attribute of her being the lowest of the low and we're told that in joshua 2 verse 1 so here she is she's living in jericho she's living in a culture that is completely hostile to the things of god there's no room for god in jericho Mm -hmm. okay because of the debauchery that that city is living by so 
we have this situation where she's living in Jericho and she's living in Jericho at the times of Joshua. Mm. Okay, so Joshua is around and we'll come to him in a minute. But she is living in Jericho at, at this time. Um, we know that she's living the debaucherous pagan life. We've just said that. But there really are initially when we look at Rahab, no redeeming qualities mm. at all. She is a Gentile. Mm. She's mm. not an Israelite. But she is really living in that position where there is nothing pleasant about her at all. Okay? Mm. She is part of the system. Mm. She is part of the pagan life and the pagan culture of Jericho. So it's very interesting that she's part of this story that we're yeah. going to tell today. So we know that she's living in a house that's on the outskirts of the city and her house is inbuilt into the walls of Jericho. So we know that a lot it, it was quite normal to have fortified cities mm -hmm. in biblical times and it literally would have been maybe one way in and one way out yeah. and the whole city then was encompassed by a, a very high wall. Mm. And that was purposely done to fortify the city mm. but also to then monitor and control who came in and who who came out yeah. and there would have been people sat on the gate officials sat on the gate and their job would be to monitor that mm. so that's normal mm. yeah we come yeah. across that a lot just not only in biblical times but in historical times mm. too i grew up in a town like that mm. yeah, yeah. That, that initially it was a fortified town mm. with one way in and one way out um so here we have this situation she's got a, a little house on the outskirts of town she's a prostitute and her house is in the wall okay and we're told that in joshua 2 verse 15 now let's think about it let's be honest here she's a prostitute mm -hmm. she's living in the wall of the city of jericho mm -hmm. and she was financially pretty well off she was you know, trade was good, mm, business yeah. was good. And because she lived on the wall, she was in a prime location mm. for her clients to come and go without discreetly, yeah. you yeah. know, to, to without being seen. And so it's very significant that what she did and where she was is very significant to this story. Mm. Okay. So she's financially able, she's financially fluent. Um, and business is good mm. and she's living in a prime position for this debaucherous life and it's discreet. Yeah. Okay. So we do know that Jericho was wicked. Okay. Mm. We're told that, uh, we're told that in the book of Joshua. So Jericho was a wicked town and a city and it was part of the Amorite kingdom. Okay, and the Amorite kingdom um, had a long reputation of being violent, depraved, pagan, wicked. All the things that God hated were wrapped up in the Amorite mm. kingdom. And we're told that in Deuteronomy 20 verse 17. And they were so bad that the Israelites actually had been ordered to completely wipe them out and destroy them. Wow. Okay, mm. so yet again, we've got another situation, haven't we, mm. where God is so upset mm. with a people, with a nation, that he wants them wiped out completely. Yeah. Okay, so this gives us a building picture, doesn't it, mm. of the vileness, mm. the horrificness, if that's a word, <laughs> the awfulness yeah. of this town, yeah. of this city. And she was part of that. She was a citizen, a partaker, a contributor mm. to that level of sin. Mm. All right. So 
here we have it, this very clear picture. And the Amorite kingdom, the Amorite culture that we've just talked about, that Jericho was a part of, was so corrupt but it was corrupt way back to Abraham's time. Mm. So in the word of God, there is quite clear mm. a, a historical track record of the the debauchery and the corruption of the Amorite culture. And actually, the, uh, the corruption of the Amorite culture was the very reason in Deuteronomy 18 verse 12 and 1 Kings 21 verse 26, why God granted Abraham... Uh, the rights to their land right that's why they were actually in Jericho mm. which we'll get to in mm. a minute so here there was a culture who had land had cities had you know a, a life and um, it had a longevity mm. of corruption yeah. a reputation yeah. and they were so evil God wanted to take the land off them wipe them out and give it to the Israelites Okay, so whenever you hear about Amorites in the Old Testament, it usually is to do with um, the Israelites conquesting their land. Mm. Okay, because yeah. God wanted them out. Mm. So we get a picture, don't we? Mm. It's not just a bit bad. It's no. not just a bit rough. It is <laughs> pure evil. Yeah. And this woman is not a righteous woman. She really is part of that mm. contribution. Okay. So we have this not so good picture of her, do we? Yeah. We don't have a really nice picture of, of Rahab. Um, and she really was not a fool. She wasn't mm. a foolish woman. No. She was a savvy. Yeah. Yes, she was a businesswoman. Yeah. But she also um, had a life that was dedicated to the pursuit of con carnal self-gratification. She, she made her living out of sin yeah. yeah yes and actually rahab was in complete bondage not only to her culture but to her sin mm. and that is who she was so we have a clear picture don't we yeah but yet after all this after you know all mm. this i've just told you in hebrews 11 verse 31 which is the only mention of her in the new testament mm. um she is named and singled out by name for the greatness of her faith yeah. wow Yes, um, in the in the Hall of Fame, yeah. in the Hall of Faith. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but we also are told in Matthew 1 um, that she is mentioned in the genealogy yeah. of Christ. Yes. And so what we do know uh, biblically from Matthew 1, and as we look back into that, that Rahab actually, so at, at the end of the story, mm. she actually marries um, Salmon, mm. who was an Israelite, who was from the tribe of Judah. And she had a son, and her son was Boaz. Uh -huh. And Boaz was Ruth's husband, yeah, yeah. and that's the direct lineage of wow. Jesus. Okay? So we have this horrific, debaucherous woman who is part of the, the seediness mm. of this culture. And yet the end of the story is that she is singled out by name for the greatness of her faith mm. and she is actually a direct descendant of wow. Jesus. So to me, there's a lot to learn just from oh that. Gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's interesting, isn't it? We, we're very black and white mm. sometimes in our understanding mm. of people mm. or Bible characters. It's quite hard for us to uh, relate to mm. Bible characters at times because they're, they are complex, yeah. the same as we are mm -hmm. complex. Yeah. So when you, for example, when we read about Noah mm -hmm. and how righteous he was, it can be very hard for us then to connect 
um, ourselves to him mm-hmm. as Noah, the drunk who exposed mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. yeah. So we've got to learn to be able to look through scriptures mm-hmm. with the mind of Christ and with the spirit uh, at work within yeah. us because we can be very black and white. Yeah. And just with us, as it is with us, people have many lives yes. and many uh, yeah. ebbs and flows. Yeah. They have times, different timings in their life. Yeah. And we, we, it's very possible, and it is happens a lot in the Word of God, that there is transformation mm-hmm. one with the other. Yeah. So we have to hold that loosely as yeah. we study the Word. Yeah. Okay. So that's the background. Anything that was that's you know spoke to you about that jumped out to you? I don't think I'd realised how debaucherous Jericho was. Yes, mm. I knew about Rahab being a prostitute, and perhaps I didn't really think about the fullness of that. Yeah. Um, but having looked at Noah's wife last week, yeah, and how she was a woman, a righteous woman. Yeah. And what that, she was up against. Yes. Yeah. And then seeing Rahab here engulfed yeah. in a totally unrighteous life, mm. it to me it just shows that God can use anybody. Mm. Absolutely. And it's, mm. you know, he chooses and he knows who he's going to create out of what he, yeah. he takes mm. and uses. Yeah, definitely. And just gives, well, you just think, wow. Yeah, Yeah. because it's easy, isn't it, to think of God using people who aren't saved or Mm. who aren't uh, who uses people who aren't who are who are outside of the Israelites. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's it's outside of the tribe. Yeah, Um, it's very easy to consider people who are broken Mm. or people Mm. who are vulnerable or people who are weak being empowered. Mm. But sometimes it can be hard to look at the debaucherous and Mm. the sinful and the prideful and the arrogant and the awful people, the unlovables. Yeah. And realise that there is divine purpose and pattern for them as well. And that can be tricky for us sometimes to identify with that, can't it? Or to connect to that. I don't know, Mm. because I think it it makes me look back at my past and how it makes me more aware of how God took me out of an awful situation and what I could have ended up in. Yeah. And you mm. just go back to God and say thank you. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think for me as well in that, um, you were talking back about like where Rahab lived. Mm. So like being in the walls. I'm guessing that that kind of comes up again later. Yeah, we're going to hit that in a moment because it's significant. <laughs> but I kind of love the fact that for her work life, yeah. that's very significant. Yeah. But you kind of get the impression already that she was kind of placed there yeah, for reasons absolutely. beyond her control so for her she's thinking wow this is a steal you know yeah great location <laughs> how convenient yeah <laughs> and you kind of get the impression of god being like yeah yeah wait a bit and i'll, yeah. I'll let you know yeah. why you need to be there so i love that you get that kind of yeah you do well. well let's get into the story yeah. shall we um we're gonna have to do a bit of a back uh backstory on this because it's significant so let's set the pace, shall yeah. we? Okay, so Moses has died. Yeah. Okay, we're in Joshua 1 now. Yeah. So Moses has died. The Israelites who came out of Egypt have died because they didn't yeah. make it. Yeah. Um, that's Exodus 12. So we've got this situation where Moses and the Israelites have died. Okay. And because there has been a generation of collective stubbornness and unbelief um, from the children of Israel... They reach Kadesh Panah, which is the threshold of 
of the promised land and here they were they made the journey mm. they're on the the threshold of the promised land and god says all the all the over 20s are prohibited from entering mm. the promised land and they all died in the wilderness wow yeah. and that just made me go Ooh, what but here we have the situation and we know we're setting the stage for what's to come, mm. this story now of Rahab. But you kind of now are starting to get a little feel of the different mood change of mm. God, don't you? Yeah. Mm. Where he's been through this miraculous, supernatural yeah. time of looking after his people, bringing them through the wilderness, saving them from the Egyptians, mm. you know, miraculous mm. living mm. on many, many levels. But we're starting to see now maybe another side of God come that's coming in where God is starting to get annoyed and angry mm. at his people mm. because of their constant stubbornness and lack of belief. Yeah. Yeah. And even to the point where just before, I mean, they're steps away. They're right wow. on the threshold. Yeah. Steps away from the very reason mm. he brought them out. He says, no. All of those who have their own faculties over the age of 20, you're not getting in. Mm. And they all died in the wilderness in um, scattered graves. Mm. Yeah. 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 So we know that Joshua and Caleb were the exception yeah. from Numbers 14 verse 30. Um, they weren't the moaners and the grumblers. <clears throat> there was two, me two men, mm. okay? And the rest were buried in scattered graves in the wilderness around the... The, the, the promised land just before and we're told in numbers 14 verse 32 and verse 33 that they were buried in scattered graves in the wilderness where the harsh elements eventually consumed their bones wow. Wow. so god did not only you know sort of not let them enter mm. the promised land he totally removed every trace of them wow and that is significant to our story but it also gives us a little indication of the the change of mood mm. the story's mm. kind of the mm. feel has changed slightly hasn't yeah. it from this redemptive god that's brought his people out and you know he dealt with their collective stubbornness and unbelief that had gone on you know a whole wow. generation yeah. was like that mm. okay <clears throat> excuse me so that's the store that's the entrance that's the beginning yeah. okay now we're 38 years later okay so moses is dead the israelites that didn't make it are dead and it's now 38 years later in the promised land okay and joshua is now the leader of israel okay yeah. so he's, yeah. he's replaced moses moses mm. is dead and what he does is that he sends spies ahead to jericho to gather military and strategic information about what lies the other side of the Jordan, which is beyond Jericho. Mm -hmm. So at this point of the story, we don't get a sense of um, an imminent battle or, you know, a big strategy. It's what they mm. did. Yeah. So they, it, it was enemy territory. Um, you had this debaucherous city, Jericho, but they were looking at the the, the the life beyond Jericho that they wanted to access, mm. but they had to go through Jericho. Mm. So what they're doing is he's sending out a couple of spies um, into Jericho to gather, to do a bit of work, a bit yeah. of surveying, 
Recon. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, yes? Recon. A recon, yeah. definitely. Um, and I think that this would have been commonplace yeah. Um, yeah. at the time. So he sends two men to Jericho and they enter the city. Remember, one way in, one way out. Mm. And they went to Rahab's house on the wall and they lodged there. So we're told that in Joshua 2 verse 1. Okay. So what really is happening here? is that Rahab is the very first person in the promised mm. land of Jericho and her life will become completely transformed by her surprise encounter with these spies. So if you like, she's the first yeah. significant convert, mm. but it's, it doesn't happen straight away. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So sometimes we have this picture when we read the story. Two spies went in, saw Rahab, she helped them. But they would have been there for quite mm. a while. Yeah. You know, they were doing work. And so what happened was the spies collaborated with Rahab actually towards the downfall of Jericho, but it didn't happen straight away. Okay. Um, So let's go back to the wall and the house on the wall for a minute. So due to culture and due to historical findings, archaeological findings evening, evening, that the walls would have been full of lodgings and hotels Mm. because it was the entryway and the exit way out of the city. If you like, it was the airport hotel travel lodge, okay? (laughs) So it was a convenient place that they would have stayed to to get in and out quickly to get on with their business. Um, So it was the place of lodgings for the busy city, um, and they possibly might have stayed at the prostitute's house strategically Mm. to avoid suspicion Mm. um, in a place where discretion was paramount. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Confidentiality was definitely the culture of her job. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe if they'd stayed in the travel lodge, they would have been a bit too conspicuous. Yeah. Okay. So we do know that the spies did not use her immorally. They didn't go there be- to use her as mm. a prostitute. But maybe this is what actually started to win her trust mm. with them. Because they didn't abuse her sexually. No. And they didn't use her sexually. Mm. But they were quite serious and sober. And she wasn't afraid. Mm. She felt at home with them. Mm, yeah. So here we have a knock on the door one day. Two men turn up. And she's thinking, here we go again. Another couple of clients. And but then it they're just saying we want to, we just want mm. to stay in your home, mm. and she realizes then that they she they don't want her sexually. Mm. She doesn't want they don't want her sexually. Yeah. So that might have been how this relationship then started. started yeah. Okay. Um. They did tell her. We know that in Joshua two, they told her who they were. Okay, they told her actually why they were there. Mm. And if that's true, which we know it is because it's in Joshua 2, then they would have definitely talked about Yahweh. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because they were Israelites. They were spies sent, yes, on a God mission to possess a land for the for the people of mm, god yeah okay so you don't do that without saying why no. you're there yeah. <laughs> so there definitely would have been dialogue about yahweh definitely and they would have carried out their duties and their work 
from her home so some of it would have been you know you think don't you sort of cia don't you you think <laughs> yeah. fbi you think secret service but you know some of it was quite mundane i'm yeah. sure it would have been things like taking measurements yeah, yeah. so they knew you know distances yeah. it would have been logging mm-hmm. you know filing mm-hmm. yeah. uh, reports yeah. um taking landscapes yeah. um surveying the you know getting their bearings yeah. in the city yeah. it would have been a lot of those things yeah. because we 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 are told in Joshua why they were sent mm. to the city yeah. okay so it would have been you know it wasn't very rock and roll a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the work okay but they did have to do it discreetly yeah. because they were spies yeah. yeah okay so have we got a bigger picture now of the mm. story yeah all yeah, right definitely. so let's let's go on a bit then okay um so let's go back to the house mm-hmm. we do know because of culture that houses on the walls were very sought after yeah. because they were they were what were used for business. Yeah. yeah. So hotels, hospitality, you know, services mm. where people maybe didn't have to go fully into the full mm. city to get. Right. So it would have been affluent. Yeah. Okay. They were sought over. And because they lived in the wall, it was common practice for the houses to have a rope ladder. Yes. Yeah. Um, on the wall, or by you know, in yeah. just by you know, underneath the window. Yeah. That they could literally th- hang out of the wall and escape if the city was attacked, wow. or if the gate was attacked yeah. and you yeah. couldn't get in and out. So it was quite common for all the houses or all the properties on the wall to have this escape route. Mm, right. Yeah. Okay. So if there was a fire, yeah. if there was a siege, if there was a problem at the gate. Yeah people could get out okay but it was a rope from the inside it wasn't on the outside so people couldn't get in but you could get out right okay so that was common all right so what we start to see unravel as we go through joshua 2 and beyond is that actually very quietly very insignificantly there's that word again yeah you could start to see her heart is wanting Yahweh. Mm. She's starting to see a life beyond yes. what she knows. Yeah. Okay? But we're not there's no significant story mm. yet. It's just obviously a quiet working. Yeah. Okay. So they're all together for a little period of time getting on with business, probably cooking food for mm. them in the evening yeah. between clients. Yeah. <laughs> um and in those times, they're talking to her about their God and yeah. about maybe even sharing how they'd been brought out of yes. Egypt and the miraculous hand of God. Mm. You know, they, she's got real access yeah. to the story, to the journey. Yeah. Um, but then something happens. And what happens is the spies were identified. Mm. Somebody leaked the fact that the spies mm. were there. Maybe they were seen. Maybe, you know... Mm. that they were seen measuring or doing something um and they knew that the whole israelite army was camped actually outside the city across the river because they could see them yeah okay so suddenly they're on the radar yeah okay um bearing in mind even though jericho was debaucherous and in this awful sinful position and also remember they were gentiles Mm. so yahweh was not their god they didn't have a god yeah 
they had your own flesh. Yeah. Mm. Um, but they would have definitely heard about God's miraculous saving of Israel. That would have been the goss. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Bearing in mind, it's only sort of like 38 years mm. later. So that's not even maybe a full generation or a couple yeah. of generations. Yeah. So it would have been, you know, the knowledge about how God had really saved, miraculously mm. saved the Israelites. Mm. And because of that... Then there was a little bit of fear yeah. in anybody that wasn't an Israelite because they had seen the God, Yahweh, of the Israelites at mm. work to save his people. Mm. Yeah. So even though they might not have been God-fearing people, there would have been a little mm. bit of um, an edge, yeah. a little bit of fear mm. about the Israelites yeah. simply because God had really shown up for yeah. them and fought for them. We're told that in uh, Joshua 2 verse 11 actually. So here we have this situation. They've been rumbled. Yes. Um, there's a little bit of fear in the city mm. about it, the Israelites. Mm. Oh, no, they're here. That's not good for us. They've got a God who deals with stuff. Yeah. Um, but here we have an, an amazing opportunity for Rahab to turn them in. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And But what happens is, is that Rahab's heart has melted towards God and towards the two spies, mm -hmm. his people, yeah. yeah? So whereas the people of Jericho didn't seem that afraid because they didn't, they weren't God-fearing, yeah. there would have definitely been a little ripple of mm. fear in them about these Israelites being in their city yeah. and what their God could do, okay? Mm. So all of a sudden then, the king of Jericho suddenly, there we go, um, sends messengers to Rahab's house. He sends his minions to the house and he's gone, he sent them to the house to check up, mm. to find the spies um, and to deal with the situation. Yeah. And this is where, in the story, Rahab surprises us mm. because what we expect her to do and what she actually does are completely mm. different. Yeah. She's got no loyalty to the spies. No. She's got no loyalty to the clan, the people. No. She's got no loyalty to God. It's that's not her God. Yeah. Yes. But all of a sudden she almost betrays her own culture mm. and people mm. and she then works with God yeah. and the spies. And she surprises us. Yeah. And this is the first indication in the story of Rahab mm. that something has gone on in her, her heart. Mm. Okay. So realistically, remember, she's a woman of the night. Yeah. She's a prostitute. Yeah. She's interested in the money. Mm. Okay. Yeah, um, she's affluent. She's made her bucks. And um, she lives a good life. Mm. Yeah. She's a wheeler dealer. She's savvy. Yeah. yeah. So here she has this most brilliant opportunity mm. to make some bucks. Yeah. Yeah. To, you know, we're thinking now, aren't we, Judas? Yeah. Where Judas had the same heart and mm. he, but he cashed mm. in. Yeah. Yes. So we have a similar sort of feel mm. in, in, in the heart's mm. position there. So she has this amazing opportunity to make the money and to turn them in. But instead, she hides them. And she misdirects the soldiers and she actually saves their lives. Mm. Because this wasn't just like a little recce to find yeah. out what's going on. Remember, this is a debaucherous, mm. evil, bloodthirsty city yeah. and they were going to kill them. Yeah. Yes, and probably her too. Yeah. Okay? So here we have a very significant part of the story. Mm. It's the first time we get a little inkling that there's something going on in her heart. Yeah. Okay? 
So what she actually did was she put her heart and her life more so in complete jeopardy. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. And what we see is a very quick, a very sudden mm. expression of some type of faith. Mm. So remember, she's not in the system. She's not in the tribe. She ha- doesn't understand how God works. Yeah. But there's something in her that is that is a, a little seed of faith. Mm-hmm. It's clumsy. It's unsophisticated. It's not accurate, which we'll see in a minute. But yet, there is something in her heart yeah. that's real. Yeah. Okay? More so, or, or so much so, that she jeopardizes her life. Mm-hmm for it yeah Yeah. so it's real yeah it's not just sort of a um you know a a little token or Mm. uh, something that's not thought through Mm. i mean she understood the cost yeah okay so let's go on to the next part of the story then because this is where it now gets interesting okay so we've got this situation we know what's happening so what she did was that she actually lied yes to save the spies Mm. So what she did was they said, where are the spies? And she said, oh, she didn't just say, oh, they're not here. She said, oh, they've been here, but they've actually gone, you know, over the hill and far away. Mm. They're heading towards this way. And she sends them, she lies, and she sends them on a false journey. Okay. So what we see here, even though it probably doesn't feel weighty in our modern day ethics, mm. it, but in in the times, yeah. what we see is that basically her ethics are a little dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> she lied. Yeah. Yes. There. That's not the actions of a righteous person or yeah. a truthful, honest person. But what we do see is that her faith was yeah. pure. Yeah. Yes. And lying was the norm in her culture. Mm. In other words, she she's reminiscent here. She reminds us of a brand new believer, yeah. yes, in Christ, yeah. mm. who is full of faith. Yeah. Their hearts are new, but their ways still maybe are a little mm. bit dodgy, a little bit you know rusty, mm, a little yeah. bit rough. But yet, that's kind of covered yeah. because of of the faith yeah. that's brought them into mm. that place. And so that's kind of the feel we get from Mm. this moment in her. Yeah. Um, But what's exciting um, is that her new faith actually immediately bore fruit. It brought it bore the fruit of action. Yeah. And so she didn't just quietly think Mm -hmm. about God. The faith that she had created an action. Yeah. Yes. And that's significant. All right. Um, she actually bore the spies with peace. We're told that in Hebrews 11, verse 31. So she hid them, we know that, and she embraced her cause. Mm -hmm. And her cause now, she's changed sides. She's now considering saving the people of God Mm -hmm. rather than saving Mm -hmm. herself. And that really is all going on internally in her heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. So what happens is she's she she was a quick thinker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Here they come. They're asking, where are the spies? She's hid them and she's a quick thinker. Mm. Yeah. It might not have been right to lie, but she still saved the spies. And this was her opportunity to show them her faith. Mm. Yeah. Yes. To let them know. Yeah. yeah. And we're told that in Joshua 2 verse 3 to 4. 
okay so there's a big message going on mm. here and somehow hiding the spice doesn't feel like the big story anymore mm, no. yeah yeah her actions don't seem that big anymore no. what's interesting now and what we're interested in is the fact that there's a heart change here yeah. yes yeah. wow she's on our side mm. yeah yes so so we know that she hid them in the stalks of flax on the roof. In other words, she hid them under a big pile of old rubble, but you know, <laughs> big pile of wheat or something. And we're told that Joshua 2 verse 6. Now, again, this is kind of funny, but culturally, um, and we're told this in, in verse 15 as well, that um, it was very common for prostitutes to um, hide their clients mm. from jealous wives. Mm -hmm. um, or employers <laughs> yeah. who were looking for their employees right. in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the prost prostitutes culturally um, and historically would have hiding places within their homes mm. to hide their clients. Yeah. And hers was the stalks of flack on the roof. There was no there was no cultural or even, you know, domestic reason why she would have those on the mm. roof yeah. other than to hide some people under. So they probably weren't the first people to be yeah. tucked up under that. <laughs> um and the rope Remember, remember the yes. rope the, the, yeah. that yeah. was hanging, the 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 rope, the the um, um, ladder yeah. that we talked about at the mm. beginning. That would have been there for that reason too, not yeah. just to escape a fire, yeah. but to escape a jealous wife. Yeah. So that was all very common, and here we have, don't we, the tools of sin mm. yeah. being used for righteous yeah. reasons. Yeah. And I just love that yeah. so much. Yeah. Okay, so what happened was what, that when they were safe, when, um, you know, the people had gone off, the, mm. the, the, the um, soldiers had gone off on their false mm. journey that she sent them on, um, and they came out, she went to them and she gave them a testimony of her faith. And that actually is a really beautiful passage mm. to read in Joshua 2, verse 8 to 14. There's about eight verses, mm. eight, nine verses there, where she just basically tells her story reveals her heart to the spies yeah. and it really is about mm. the fact that she is not only considering Yahweh mm. but she is now it's he's now captured her heart yeah. wow. okay yeah. and all of that has come through the actions of lying mm. and hiding them okay so that is amazing yeah but there are some dynamics that we need to consider within that. So remember, her actions weren't right. She yeah. lied. Yes. But she did it for righteous reasons. Yeah. But also, ultimately, we're told, and we get the flavor of this in the story of Rahab, that ultimately fear motivated her faith. Mm. Yeah. She was mm. scared of what the God of the Israelites yeah. would do. Yeah. But that then wasn't where she stopped. Mm. Through then, through the discussions of with and intimacies mm. with these spies over mm. food and whatever, yeah. that she then opened up her heart mm. to the the lifestyle and the connectivity to Yahweh. Yeah. But ultimately, when they rocked up and said, "Oh, by the way, we're Israeli spies, Israelite spies," um, there would have definitely been a fear mm. element there yeah. for her for the reasons that we've already yeah, talked about. Definitely. Okay. 
So in other words, she had a sovereignty, a sovereignty fear of the Lord. Mm. She didn't have relationship. She didn't have personal experience yet, but she just knew that when you start yeah. talking about Yahweh yeah. and you're connected to somebody physically, you know, in your house yeah. who belongs to him, that brought fear mm. into her heart. Yeah. The same as it did to the other to wow. the other people in Jericho. Okay. So this is quite a joyful position now. We, yeah. We're kind of getting a joyful situation yeah. here. Um, so what the spies did, she told them their test, her testimony. She shared with them um, that she had faith and mm. why she did this. And the spies actually swore an oath to her. And they said, look, we are going to be kind to you um, when we conquer your city. Yeah. So we're coming back with, with the hosts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and we are going to be kind to you. We're gonna we're gonna eliminate you from the destruction. Yeah. You will be saved. We're gonna yeah. look after you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But in order to do that, you're gonna have to hang a scarlet cord from your window where she let them down. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if you don't put the scarlet cord in the window, then we won't know that you are safe. Yeah. That we don't we won't know where, who where who you, who are. you are. Yeah. So we're told that Joshua 2, verse 17 to 18. Yeah. So the very thing that let that she let the, the spies down with will be the very thing that will save mm, her. Yeah. And so now the red scarlet um, cord becomes symbolic yeah. because now it's not just for debaucherous reasons. Remember the cords, yeah. the red cords or the cords would have been thrown out um, of the windows, uh, you know, to, to for, for immoral reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now it's not only going to save the Israelites, it's going to yeah. save her. Yeah. So you get this feeling, wow. don't you, of them yes. rather than you and yes. me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, definitely. definitely. So what I love about the scarlet cord is that it marks... It's a markation, a demarcation, and an announcement, uh, a sign that a house is to be spared. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we get a deja vu here, yeah. don't yes. we? We get a we get a, a consideration. Yeah. We've heard about yeah. this before, yeah. haven't we? And that is obviously where the doorposts with the Israelites came, yeah. where they had to put the blood um, of the sacrifice over the doorposts, so the angel of mm. death would have carried over yeah. and flown over yeah. and missed them and um that remember was within the spies lifespan yes, yes they would yes. have done that either as children yes. or as young adults yeah. yes so here we have again now a reenactment mm. of a saving mm. yeah yes um they were saved by a pure heart mm. And that was the qualification for Rahab, and that yeah. was certainly the qualification mm. for the Israelites yeah. back in 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 the, in Egypt yeah. when they had to cover yeah. the doorposts with the blood. So she does that. She lowers them down on the scarlet cord, and they go back to the camp mm. yeah. where Joshua is, and um, to give back their findings and to tell them what had happened. And she carries on with her life. And she puts the red cord in the window. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting that we don't know if she carried on her prostitution. Yeah. yeah. But we'll come to that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we do know that in, in um, Joshua 2, verse 22 to 23, that they came back. Yeah. 
okay so the army the israelite army came back and they absolutely destroyed annihilated jericho yeah and we know the famous story about when they marched around the city seven times mm. and the walls fell down yeah all of the walls apart from rahab's yeah. house wow okay Amazing. and that suddenly becomes very significant yeah. i mean firstly we know it was a miraculous destruction mm. because yeah. they marched around in silence and the whole wall fell yeah. down yeah yeah and then they went into the city and destroyed it yeah um but can you imagine destroying a whole wall mm. and just one part yeah. of it remained yeah so yet again now you Incredible. see the favor and god's on board yes yeah. yes yeah. god's with them yeah. yes um and we do know from scripture, from verse 25 of Joshua 2, is that she dwelled there in Israel for the rest of her days. Wow. Yes. And we'll come to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. So here we have this amazing story, mm -hmm. this amazing transformation, um, which all comes about because of faith. Yeah. Yes. Um, she had very few if any probably none no spiritual skills yeah she was a gentile she was a prostitute she mm. was rough and ready um she lied remember mm. so yeah. she she didn't have ethics spiritual ethics or convictions at mm. that point um she had so little knowledge of the mm. truth yes but yet her heart was completely yes. drawn to Yahweh, yeah. to God. Yeah. And that was enough. Yeah. Yes. So the, the shell, the behavior, mm. the motives mm. were not in place yet. Yeah. But just that little seed yeah. of faith was enough to bring about yeah. this saving. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a lot to learn from that, we don't have, we? Yeah. An awful lot. Yeah. We do know that she did turn away from her life. Um, and she walked away from everything Yes, yeah. but she didn't walk away from her closest family whom she brought into the community mm. of God's people along with her. Yeah. We're told that yeah. in Joshua. So it wasn't just a, yet again another scenario. We're getting vibes here, aren't we, of Noah's wife again, yes. where it's not only your faithfulness yeah. that saved you, but it saves your family. Yeah. So bearing in mind the whole of Jericho was captured and, mm. and destroyed. Yeah. But yet here we have... Um, here we have Rahab, not only Rahab saved, but her family yeah. too. So obviously then Jericho became part of the promised land. Yes. Okay. So the debauchery was removed. <clears throat> um, it was flattened mm. and it became part mm. of the life of the Jordan. Yes. yes. Of, of life on the Jordan. Yeah. And it became part of the promised land. Um, so we know she dwelled there. It's interesting that after Jericho's destruction, she's never mentioned again mm. for in Joshua after Joshua 6. Um, but we do know that she lived out her life in Israel for many years yeah. because we're told that um, in verse 25 of, of Joshua 2. And she lived out her years in quiet dignity and as a person of God. She, mm. was, part, she was part of the... She's now an Israelite. Yeah. She's now a, a person of faith. Yeah. Um, and so we know we do know that. So not only is her sin now being cleaned yeah, up, yeah. but she's now part of that holy generation, yeah. that holy people. Yeah. Um, so we do know, don't we, because we've said that right back at the very beginning, that she married Salmon, mm. who was the Israelite from Judah, and she birthed Boaz, yeah, and yeah. then the rest is history. So we know that she lived then a godly life. Yes. Yeah. Okay, she lived a, a godly life. She lived then as a believer mm. and she lived in a, 
um, a transformed society mm-hmm. because the very ground that her clients used to walk on yeah. is now the very ground yeah. they walked to the temple, yeah. to their worship, to the synagogue, yeah, yeah. to the teaching. And that is something very beautiful, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Um, so the majority of her story is in the Old Testament, mm. in Joshua. But she is mentioned three times, actually, in the New Testament. And each time she's she's mentioned in Hebrews 11, verse 31, and in James 2, verse 25. And all three times she is acknowledged for her remarkable faith. Mm. Yes. And remember, we went back to the teaching of Noah's wife last week, that it's to be mentioned even in the word of God, is significant for us today. Nobody's there just because they're there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, What I love about this is that in Matthew 5, um, sorry, in in the Gospel of Matthew, in the genealogy of Jesus, um, in Matthew 1, Mm -hmm. where she's mentioned in the lineage of Jesus, Matthew actually names five women Mm -hmm. in the opening of his Gospel, um, and he mentions them in the context of the Hebrew genealogy of Jesus. Okay, so Tamar is mentioned, Rahab is mentioned, mm. Ruth is mentioned, Bathsheba is mentioned, and Mary is mentioned. Mm. So they are all mentioned in the lineage of Jesus, mm. the genealogy of Jesus yeah. in the opening of Matthew 1. But what's interesting about that is that three of those women were Gentiles. Mm. And three of them were disgraced because of sin. And three of them were outcasts and stigmatized mm-hmm. because of their, their immor- immor- immorality. Yeah. And so Ta- Tamar was a prostitute, mm. Rahab was a prostitute, and Bathsheba was an adulteress. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but yet they're mentioned, mentioned. Yeah, by yeah. name in the genealogy of Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So there's things to learn there, yeah, aren't there? I think what we what we want to say at the close of this study is that God can really work all mm. things together yeah. for his yes. good. Yeah. Um and that we've got to be so careful that we don't um put stigma mm. on our ideas of what is acceptable and what yeah. isn't to him. Yeah. Um we've got a running pattern so far. I keep saying this, but we've got a running pattern so far in these studies of the lowest of the low being yeah. raised into significant places with Absolutely. God. And that I think is something we will never stop talking about mm. in these yeah. studies because it's interesting, isn't it, that there are lots and lots of examples in the word of God of these people, these horrific, yeah. unlovable, and vile people yeah. that yet came to God and became significant. Mm. But then we've got discussions and examples in the new testament for sure about rich young rulers who Mm. couldn't do it they couldn't give it up they couldn't draw close and so we've got a lot to learn Mm, in that there is definitely a major concept there about life in christ that we need we need to understand what's beautiful to me is that they all found a place in the plan of god to Mm. bring his son into this world yeah and you know, we read about them, but yet if it wasn't for them, Jesus yes. would not have been born. Exactly. And that was all worked together for his yeah. good, yeah. for our good. Yeah. yeah. So what was interesting on a historical and a his, on, a, on a church history level is that very early on in church history, um, it was actually quite, there was quite a campaign 
um, by early writers, mm. um, doctrinal writers. They wanted to really remove the stigma of the prostitution yeah. in the story of Rahab because they didn't want the stigma of sin. They didn't want the vileness and the filthiness of who she was in the lineage of Jesus. Yeah. They couldn't remove the lineage of Jesus, yeah. so they tried to remove the they wanted to water down yeah. the story mm. yes and what they actually did how they did that in the original translations and in the early writings was that we go back to her little house mm. okay on the wall and we we were told weren't we about right at the beginning about what those what the wall mm. life was like yeah. they were hotels yeah they were bed and breakfasts they were lodgings yeah. and what they tried to do um in the early writings and the early academics was they tried to to rewrite it so she wasn't a prostitute, but yet she was a landlady. Right. Mm. Yes. She she ran the the, the hotel. Yeah. Yes. Um, but that obviously the purity of that mm. was fought for yeah. um, by our brothers and sisters mm. in the past, yeah. and the truth of the doctrine. Mm had to be kept in yes, um, but that's what man and religion tried yeah. to do way back um, but the trouble is you see with that that if we're going to remove the stigma of sin then there's no need yeah, for grace there isn't. <laughs> yeah, and that actually was what reformation was yeah, about it yeah. was the whole the reformation of the church was about it was the whole idea of personal access yes. to god yes. and personal transformation yeah. which of course the catholic church did mm. not want mm. people to have no. because if you taught that there was no need for them mm. and they were no longer powerful right. so you can see how we try man tries to change the yeah. truth over yeah. time to fit our ideologies of what we think is acceptable or not in Christ. But if there is the stigma of sin is removed, then there is no need for grace. Mm -hmm. um, and it was not what she was that was important, but it was what she became. Yes. And absolutely. that really is the message yes. of Rahab. Yeah. Um, and I, I just love Rahab. Mm. I love the story mm. so much. Yeah. And I love the story because of how awful she was. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that she was unlovable, yeah. you know, um, and she wasn't this really quiet, pathetic, downtrodden person. She was this powerful, savvy, wicked woman um, who, you know, knew how to play the system and yeah. get what she wanted. But even that heart was able to be melted. Yeah. 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 And I absolutely love that. Mm. Love that so much. Mm. So, guys, what, over to you. What do you think? What spoke to you? I think what's speaking to me about it is that, yes, she was savvy. Yes, she was a businesswoman. Yes, she was wicked. But ultimately, she wanted love. She did. And mm. I, that's what I believe she felt when she heard the men talking about Yahweh. Yeah. That they were loved. They knew that God loved them. And that was the grace that she felt, that mm. that whole opening and understanding that she could be loved as a person, not what she did, not what who who she had made herself become, mm. but she could be loved for real, if yes. you like. Mm, and that's that's really what stuck with me. There but for the grace of God go I. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think just how 
God can use absolutely yeah. anyone. Yeah. And he desires that. Yeah. He yes. chooses that. And yeah. he kind yeah. of, you can absolutely see him orchestrating things in that oh, story yeah. so that she was on the wall, so that she did have a rope to get them out, so that she did have the hiding place under the, um, you know, the roof, yeah. so that she had all those things. But then ultimately the choice was down to her. It was, it was almost like God saying, right, I've given you all the tools mm. you need to do this, but you still have your free will. You still can choose to turn them in or not. Yeah. And I just love, I, I, I wish I had been there, like when the soldiers had come yes. yeah. and been like, okay, Rahab, we know that there's spies here. I want to know, like, what was that interaction like? Was she like, was it that quick mm. that she was like, oh, no, spies, no, no, don't know. You know, they've gone, they're, yeah. they're miles away. Way over the fields. Yeah. Was there any hesitation in her mm. or was it just that instant mm. kind of, this is what I'm here for? I really want to ask her. Did yeah. she I have think that that's true. Yes. I think the latter's tr- yeah. the truth. Yes, I, do. I hope so. You know, I think yeah. I think it is because we don't get. That's the whole point of the yeah. faith. Yeah, um, definitely. She wasn't lying and working a situation here, but I know a lot of scholars and a lot. There's been a lot of debate about Rahab's lie mm. um, amongst you know theologians because what that kind of suggests is that sometimes the end justifies the means and lying was not correct but she did it for a right reason Mm. um and i think that's a really interesting Mm, debate to have but it just all that you know that to me is a great catalyst for worry yeah yeah (laughs) that i'm just going to worry my whole life about being in situations where maybe i don't reveal the whole truth but for a righteous reason and i've decided that i'm not going to worry about that and that's why we have holy spirit Mm. and we just ask him in every situation yes 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 and um, but i just i just felt that that there's something charming about mm, that is, yeah. it's not it wasn't right it wasn't, but it, there but was something yeah that, that, that to me what was more beautiful was the faith yes. and the fact that she was okay doing that yes. for the right reason yeah. other than the fact that she was there going no I'm, i can't i'm a believer i can't lie yeah. and yeah. then giving them up yeah and they would have been killed yeah. but at least she told the truth yeah and there's, there's something there that that needs maturity yeah. and yeah. understanding yeah. doesn't there definitely yeah. yeah but also i think that there was obviously a gap after the spies leaving her place and then them coming back to attack Jericho so she had to kind of live her life then Mm -hmm. with this understanding or this new faith but with no one then around her that could feed that you know naturally like she couldn't go to her friends and be like oh my goodness guess what happened yeah because then she would have betrayed them yeah so that whole journey to me is really interesting Mm. yeah of how, like, you know... How did she hold that? Yeah, and yeah. to be go from being a prostitute to then, I guess, having this understanding that that is not what God wants from you. Yeah. To then almost yeah. have to reconfigure your life. Yeah. But knowing that there's more to it. I mean, that's quite yeah. amazing to have it to is. go through that. It is. Wow. A couple of questions to, to think, to take away and think from this study. I think the first one is, is that we, I want to go back to the point in the story where she was afraid at the Mm, beginning mm. you know about god but that faith turned in that fear turned into faith yeah and so i think that's something we need to consider Mm. is in what ways does healthy fear produce faith Mm. because it does it does yeah and i think that's a question maybe we need to consider yeah Yeah. um but i also think 
there are different ways that God does work in our hearts. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we learned right back at the very beginning of this of this study was that she had no saving <laughs> no saving mm-hmm. grace, no yeah. saving redeemable um you know qualities she was all bad yeah um but it makes you wonder about what things in us you know are our saving graces yeah what in us um is is going to be okay by god but is not okay by the system that we live under and so i think there's some really good things to consider Mm -hmm. from rahab things that basically the you know how can we turn our roughness and uh, you know those things that we fall short in Mm -hmm. how can those be used by god and i think that that just brings me a lot of hope to be honest with you um the saving graces what's our saving graces what are those things that are going to save us Mm -hmm. um even if they're delivered wrongly yeah you know um and i don't know i think rahab's you know set us a, a lot of things that we can live by yeah definitely, definitely. yeah and yeah. just to see god's redeeming grace mm. in effect yeah. like that and it wasn't a big ta-da come no. to the meeting <laughs> down the road no in in a tent no and fall on your knees and give your life to god no. you know he like you said naomi he set it up. Mm. He did. He completely set it up because he knew Rahab. Yeah. He knew what would bring yeah. her to that point. Mm. Yeah. And so beautiful. Really yeah. is. So that's Rahab. Rahab and the spies. Mm. And, um, oh, I just want to go through it again, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> Very <laughs> lots meaty. Of, lots of things to consider yeah. there. Um, um, but I did warn you it was chunky, yes, didn't I? I did, did warn you there was a lot coming. <laughs> um, but there we go. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed our study looking at Rahab this week. Um, lots to consider. Um, always look for the faith. Always look for that seed um, and see what God will do. The, the amazing transformation that is available mm. to all of us yeah. in God. Yeah. Um, even if we're rough around the edges mm-hmm. and don't quite get it all right all the time, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so until next time, I look forward to uh, meeting with you all again so that we can really get into our next study yes. and uh, see what God says. Yeah. So until then, have a good time and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.